The Culture Guy Podcast. This is the second episode of September 2016. Welcome back, everybody. Today we're going to talk about what expatriate life is like if you are not the expatriate. Welcome back to the Culture Guy podcast, second episode of September 2016. Welcome back, everybody. Love having you on. Always great to know that there's audience out there is really interested. Thank you for um, giving us the feedback that you've been giving us lately. Um, thank you for all the suggestions you have made for future guests on this program. Super helpful. Today, I would like to point your attention to expatriate life. And for those of you who have been on this podcast for a while, you know that adjusting to cultures, cultural adjustment, adaptation, um, is most prominently a topic for people who work abroad, who have to go abroad for um, an expatriate or for an assignment. And you may have checked our Facebook page, the Culture Mastery Facebook page. If you don't, just go to facebook.com forward slash the culture mastery, which is also the name of my company. And we have lately posted quite a few um, articles about what it is like to uh, go on an expatriate assignment, what are some of the things to consider, some of the fears you may have, or some of the myths you have heard about uh, living abroad. Um, and we're, we're busting some of those myths. So read through those articles in the past two weeks. Um, just scroll down the timeline of the Culture Mastery Facebook page. You'll see a lot of material up there also about what it is like to bring children abroad. What does it mean in terms of finding schools or daycare? What does that mean for your family setup? And what does this mean if you take children abroad into a different language? So how do you raise children in an environment that speaks a different language than you do at home? How do you make all of this work? And today I would like to introduce you to a lady that I've met a couple of years ago when they first arrived in Tennessee. Um, her name is Tina Bush. She is a PhD. She's a linguist by trade. And she moved to the Tennessee Valley, to the Chattanooga area, to accompany her husband, who came on a foreign assignment to the Tennessee Valley. She left a career. She put a career on hold to accompany her husband to come overseas. And this is still often the case, even though we see less and less of this, that in families, in young families, or with couples, if there is one spouse who gets to go on the foreign assignment, what happens to the other spouse? Do they just cancel their career plans? Do they 
quit? Do they change their life plans to make it work for the other partner? Or can they pause their careers? Can they even use the foreign assignment as a launch pad for an accelerated career afterwards? When I sat down with Tina Bush, she was already getting ready to move back home to Germany. She, she and her husband and her family spent, well, I think two or three years, she'll tell us in the interview, um, in the United States. And she was a little bit nervous about the whole transition coming back because not only is going abroad quite a challenge for some people, and you would expect there to be lots of work and challenges ahead and, and things that work at home you don't take for granted overseas. What very few people think about is the fact that after many years abroad, when you come back into your native culture, the culture shock might even be bigger than you thought it would be. So with that, let's talk to Tina. All right, and here we are today in beautiful Ottawa, Tennessee with Tina Bush, Dr. Tina Bush, I might say. She's a PhD in English linguistics, and she's been here in Tennessee for the past, well, almost five years, right? Yes, five and, years. And you're about summer. to go back to, where's home? Well, home is actually in Braunschweig in Germany, but we are moving back to um, Burghausen, um, that's in Bavaria, at the uh, border to Austria. Beautiful Burghausen. Mm -hmm. And if you hear the background noise here, it's because we are sitting in a public place here. There's firefighters sitting at the table next to us, <laughs> trying to get ready for their, uh, for their next assignment. And we're here because Tina is getting ready to move her family back to the homeland. So five years in Tennessee, what was that like for you? You brought a, a toddler at that time to the Tennessee Valley. You brought a husband. What was your role in all of this? Well, um, when we moved here, my daughter was 18 months old. Um, my, um, my husband um, is the expat in our family. He is working um, for a German company over here. And I was the so-called expat partner, or I still am the so-called expat partner or expat wife. Um, I quit my job and um, my main role was yeah, to take care of our daughter, to take care of our social life, um, to organize everything that has to be organized when you move to a different country. So you put your career on hold to make it possible for your husband and your family to, to take this job opportunity. What was it like for you to, in this day and age, I mean, you're in your 30s, right? You, you, yeah. uh, you were ready to, to continue on your career path, and then your husband comes home one day and says, hey, we're going to the USA, and I need you, or I would ask you that you may make this possible. So how, how, how was that for you? How did that feel? How did that fit to, to put your career on hold? Well, um, moving to the United States as a family was always our dream, my husband's dream, but also my dream. So I didn't really hesitate when he came home and said, well, it's actually happening now. We are moving to Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, and I was as excited as he was. I didn't really think much about what I would do with myself um, because yeah I had, had a lot of a lot to do with um, moving and then taking care of my daughter but once we got here once my daughter started daycare and I was sitting at home 
nothing to do really um, I struggled mm. I struggled um, um, and it took me a while to figure out what I would do with myself with my time here and you, you were uh, you're a linguist you worked in a, in a uh, communication agency so you've been working with language obviously your English is fluent you you've lived in the English-speaking world before you went on this assignment so now you sit there in the Tennessee Valley your your husband's about to to develop a new routine with his new job your your child's going to daycare and you're trying to figure out what is my day gonna look like and you did find one outlet um, which is blogging and writing mm -hmm. right you, that's kind of your 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 uh, claim to fame nowadays with with tinabush.com and for those of you who haven't read the blog yet go to the show notes we'll post a link to the blog where tina's been writing quite a bit about her expat experience and what it will be like going back as a repatriate so how did blogging and the whole experience of documenting your experience help in dealing with these challenges well at first um we had a private family blog we st we, my husband and I, we started that um, when we were still in Germany and it was for our family and friends so that they could keep up with what's happening in our life. And um, through that, this private blog, I learned that, you, that people actually blog for a living, that they blog for a broader audience. And that's how I got into the whole blogging thing. And then eventually, I think two years into our assignment here, I started my, I call it, official professional blog tinabush.com mm -hmm. um, and um, on that blog I focus on the topic of repatriation going back for going back to Germany and also on the role of the expat partner the non-working expat partner which is most of the time the wife and th this is something that uh, we've talked about uh, privately before and, and I think this is a role that has been gradually changing so if we look back in history then let's say 20 30 years ago when we talk about the expat spouse it was usually a the cliche stay-at-home mom that didn't have to pause a career to do this so now we're in in the 20 teens you're a, a professional woman with a full-fledged academic education you were on a career track so your role as an expat spouse that has to adjust to this is significantly different than it was 20 30 years ago so what would you as a mom as a, an academically trained linguist as a professional what would you recommend to young mothers or mothers or families with younger children that go abroad for the first time what are some of the challenges that they will be facing and how how would you recommend they deal with that well first of all do it <laughs> <laughs> great um, don't 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 hesitate I mean think about it but um, do it um, of course one thing I would like to mention is um, with us moving to the United States um, the language was not a problem mm -hmm. uh, right from the beginning this was I mean English is our it's like our second language um, we could communicate right away um, we didn't have to take English classes or anything so that wasn't a problem I know that if you move to a country and you don't speak the language that's a completely different um, yes. um, topic so I can only speak for um, for a country and a language that you're already familiar with do it especially as long as the kids are still young as I said my daughter was 18 months old when we moved here what I would advice anyone to do is send the kids to a daycare mm -hmm. um, 
not only one or two days a week, but um, do it several hours a week so that they can learn the language. Yes. My daughter, she is fluent in German and English. She can switch back and forth between um, languages. That's a gift and I hope that it's something that will be helpful for her throughout her life. Mm -hmm. um, and also my son, he was born here, he's three years old. Um, I wouldn't say that he is, he's neither fluent in English or in German, um, but he knows both languages. I don't know how much he will still remember, but um, yeah, send them well, to daycare. He, I guess he's now carrying an, a US passport, so his <laughs> passport will remind him to keep his English skills alive as he grows older, right? Yeah. And this, and, and I agree, I mean, uh, both my daughters grow up bilingually and this is a gift that we as parents can give them. Um, you and I, we both learned English the hard way, which is through the school system. Mm -hmm. um, being able to pass this on to our children at that age is, of course, a gift that keeps on giving and, and hopefully our children will uh, acknowledge and, and, and recognize as they grow into their teens and, and twins. I hope so. <laughs> well, uh, for those of you who are still on that path or about to embark on that journey, dealing with toddlers and preteens in a bilingual setting can be a challenge for parents if, if if they gravitate towards one language and you would like to steer them into the other language as well. How, how do you do that at home? Is it a German-only home? Well, as long as it's just us, yes. we, we speak only German, but as soon as there is a neighbor or an English-speaking friend around, we all speak English, so I also speak English to my kids. Okay. Um, and they respond in English, so that's they, we, we can really all switch back and forth between um, both languages. So. Coming back to your um, to your first transition, um, when you heard it was going to be the Tennessee Valley, then yes, of course, a United States expatriate assignment may sound tempting to a lot of people. And when you're when you grow up outside of the United States, the uh, the image of this country that most people have is that of the big cities on both the coasts, maybe a little bit of Chicago, maybe a little bit of Grand Canyon all the touristy locations that people have in mind when they think about the United States. Chattanooga, Tennessee, the Tennessee Valley, Appalachia may not be uh, in the top 10 or may not even be on the list. So how was your uh, Tennessee experience compared to the expectation you may have had of this country? Well, luckily we have friends um, in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Mm -hmm. And we've visited them over the years um, several times. So I had an idea of what the South looks like and mm -hmm. how the Southern way of living might look like. But and you, you can't see this because it's only audio, but she shook her head like a true Southern woman when she said that. So that's <laughs> important. Um, well, a friend of mine just told me this weekend that I have become so Americanized, much more Americanized than my, hus <laughs> than my <laughs> husband is. But it was, um, it was still, of course, different when we actually living that life. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, well, I didn't, I can't really say because I didn't have any very fixed or determined expectations okay. um, when I moved here. I was open to what was going to happen. And this is also something I would advise um, uh, families, um, well, anyone basically moving to a um, different country, be mm -hmm. open. Yes. Be open to everything that's going to happen. Um, 
be open to everything that people offer you. Um, fried chicken, fried pickles, <laughs> fried Oreos. Fried everything. Fried everything. <laughs> I tried everything. Um, yeah. So, um, and that's what that's what what helped I think when we moved here. You, we, when we talked earlier, you told me that your your professional development took a turn when you came over here. So, growing up in Germany, as as those of our listeners who are familiar with German culture will know that um, careers are planned in school and uh, paths are not easily changed. Here in the United States, careers can change on a dime. Mm -hmm. And you came here uh, being fully proficient in, in, in the linguistic world. You work now as a translator. You've been working for several clients here in the area, doing lots of professional translations. Mm -hmm. And you told me earlier that you were not really expecting to be offered that job because you're not officially, quote unquote, certified to do that. Mm -hmm. um, so, want to share how that worked? Well, yeah, I have um, I have a highly proficient knowledge of English. I wrote my PhD thesis in English. I taught English um, at university level, but I am not a certified translator. And with my my German background, I thought, well, if someone asks you to do a translation, the first thing they want to see is a certificate. Mm -hmm. I am a certified translator for uh, German and English, and I don't have that. But here, um, companies, people heard that um, I have this knowledge, and they asked me, Tina, would you be able to translate this technical document? I've never translated a technical document before, or um, safety training, for example. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not a safety expert, but I became one because I, I once the door is open, uh, and I, um, I got the opportunity to um, show that I can do that, then I can do it. So you, you realize that despite the old cliche that may be a little worn off, this country, the United States, is still a country of opportunity. And yes. if, you, if you're open to accepting opportunity, then uh, the, the, the path in front of you will clear if you allow it to happen, right? Yes, the door, the door is always open. And if you, if you are able to show that you can do it, you, you can continue doing it. Mm -hmm. And this is something I... I think that's something I will m miss the most, um, especially being a mom. Um, being in Germany, um, you are on parental leave, um, and then you come back um, to your job. It's, um, it's not easy to change your career path, but here, no one asks you what you did the last couple of years. No one. No one wants to know whether you were a stay-at-home mom for mm -hmm. two years or three years or four years. Um, if you have the expertise, um, you get the opportunity to do what you want to do. And now that you're about to be back in your native waters, um, what do you expect that to be like? How, how, because you'll be a changed person. You spent five years abroad, you raised children in a different country, you've made experiences that you would have never made back home. Mm -hmm. How do you expect your life to be in the next three to five years? I don't know. I truly don't know. Um, I know that I'm not going to look for like nine to five job or mm -hmm. maybe eight to twelve or one because mm -hmm. this is what part-time job for a mom might look like 
Um, I hope that I co can continue um, doing translation work, even though I'm not a certified translator. Um, I don't. I truly don't know. I hope that there are doors that will open for me, um, and then we'll see. What do you think the biggest challenge will be for your family, not just for yourself, but for your husband and for your kids? What do you think will be the biggest challenges to repatriate now to to southern Germany? Well, the biggest challenge is the whole repatriation process um, that we are. I mean, we are right in the middle of it mm -hmm. right now, and I think once we are in Germany and our stuff is there <laughs> hopefully it, everything will get better but it's this right now i would say it's this journey these saying goodbyes my kids as i said they're six and three the three-year-old he's okay but my six-year-old it's it's already a big difference between mm -hmm. three and six mm -hmm. she, she realizes um much more what's going to happen so you have so schools picked out for them? I have schools picked out. Mm -hmm. I have a daycare mm -hmm. for my son. We have a house. Mm -hmm. So we are all set. So, um, so the, 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 big, the big building blocks are in place. So mm -hmm. now it's, it's making the, the mental transition it's for It's the mental you. transition. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be the hardest. There was a blog post you wrote not too long ago. You were back in Germany mm -hmm. not too long ago. And you... you you wrote down some of the things you noticed mm -hmm. that uh, were typically German to you and that were still, after five years abroad, that looked weird to you. Mm -hmm. What were some of the, the points that stood out most to you? Well, people dry their clothes outside, for example. <laughs> <laughs> That's something I think neighborhood laws prohibit. Yes, you can't do <laughs> that You either. can't do that here. People stare at you. That's something um, I really had a problem with, that mm. people look at you the and I always German thought stare. I mm -hmm. had a stain on my shirt or something but people look at you mm -hmm. and um, that's not um, people don't do that um, over here um, what else have you found that you m that space is, is something that changes in the United States that you have so much space available that Europeans don't have that when this is something that I keep noticing that I feel when I go back to Europe, I feel like I'm in a very much tighter place. It's everything is narrow and tight, and I almost feel like I'm, I'm reined in. Do you ever feel that? Well, I was in Germany only for five days, um, so I didn't really experience that. Um, but maybe um, there's a positive side to that. Here, I spend all day in the car, driving to the grocery store, yes. dropping my kids off at daycare and camp. I'm looking forward to being able to walk, ride mm. the bike, or ride the scooter, the kids can do that. Um, so this is um, a positive aspect of everything being so close together and so narrow. Which just goes to show that no matter where you live in, in the world, there is always positives and negatives. There is yes. pros and cons to every aspect of, of living either in your native environment or abroad. Tina, thank you for taking time today. Uh, good luck on your return journey. Um, please make sure you check out her blog. She'll continue writing about her experience, yes, right? I will. So those of you who are either about to go abroad or about to go back home, um, check out her blog. Uh, she's got a ton of resources and a ton of uh, practical tips and recommendations. TinaBush.com. Thank you so much for taking time. And bon voyage, gute reise. And I'll, I'll 
check in with you maybe in a year or so to <laughs> yes, see how it going. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me. Tina Bush from Germany via Tennessee and back to Bavaria. For those of you who are not too familiar with the regions in Germany, Tina and her husband are from northern Germany, and they spent five years, I stand corrected, not three, they, they spent five years in the Tennessee Valley, and now they're going to, or they already went back to Bavaria, which is in the southeast of Germany, but in this case bordering Austria, to Burghausen. If you go to our website or to our Facebook page that I mentioned earlier, um, facebook.com forward slash The Culture Mastery, or better yet, go to our website, theculturemastery.com, you'll see a picture on top of both, both pages, and there's an image of a bridge. No surprise, there's lots of images of bridges on our website. Um, go figure, right? Um, but the one that's right there on the top, that is actually a bridge connecting Burghausen with the other side of the river, which is Austria. So there's a little town, 20,000 people, nestled right there on that river, the Salzach River, which separates Germany and Austria. This is where Tina and her husband and her family have moved back to. And check out our blog, please, tinabush.com. I'll link to it in the show notes. Also check her out on Twitter, on LinkedIn, and on Instagram, her Facebook page. All of those links are in the show notes. Please do check them out. And also go back to what I said in the beginning of this episode. Go to our Facebook page to um, see all these articles about expatriation, the myths around it, the challenges, what you may have been missing about raising kids in a bilingual environment. All of this might be really helpful for you. And read what Tina Bush wrote about her experience abroad, how she viewed the United States as a European. Really, really helpful insight, and I hope you make use of it. Share it, post it on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, the whole whole shebang. We benefit from this. Bloggers like us or podcasters really rely on you, the audience, to share this with your network so we can expand our reach. And of course, we still, all of us, bloggers, podcasters, writers, we love feedback. We love hearing back from you. We want to hear what is it you like, what is it you don't like so much, what do you want to hear more of, what works for you, what doesn't. And let us know how we can help, how we can help you or your company, your colleagues to get ready for a foreign assignment, how they, how, how you or how your colleagues can improve when they have to cross cultures. That's what we're there for. We're there to help. We look forward to helping you build a bridge across cultures. With that, I'll let you go for this time. Make sure you trust your process. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye. The Culture Guy is out.